0: You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church, Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. safe to say that Easter Day was the day of the greatest surprise this world has ever seen. There wasn't anyone except God and Jesus who was really expecting a resurrection that day. The women went to the tomb And they were going to anoint a body. Everybody that was following Jesus still thought that he was dead. They were living in a time when they were experienced within their own hearts, these followers of Jesus, a sadness, a darkness in their hearts. And this darkness had actually began on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. On the day on Friday that he was nailed to the cross. The Bible tells us that God did this special miracle, that it became dark when Jesus was on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verses 45, verse 44 and 45, it says, it was now about the sixth hour, and that would be noon, because the Jews count the day starting at 6 a.m. as well, 0 and therefore noon would be the sixth hour. And darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. This might have been a total miracle of God. It might have been a solar eclipse. But what had happened was that it became dark over all the land. And there was a darkness now that we could say was like a celestial metaphor in the hearts of Jesus' followers. They were experiencing something that they just totally didn't understand. They were sad. They didn't know where their Lord had gone. They thought that he was going to change the world. But they did not understand that God had something else in store for them. Not a Messiah who would change the world right then and there based upon politics. But a Messiah and a Savior who would change our hearts and transform darkness into light transform death into life. God has for us an opportunity in this day of knowing that he can change us too. That God can change us so that we can experience joy. We can experience hope. And so like we did talk to the children, we already see there that there were some women whose lives were changed. Some women whose lives were transformed. In Mark chapter 6, we read, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might anoint Jesus' body. The Bible tells us that the sun had just risen on that first Sunday morning. And that they were wondering who was going to turn the stone and move it away so that they could go in and anoint the body of Jesus. But when they got there, the Bible tells us that they looked inside. They didn't see anybody. But then there appeared an angel to them. An angel to them. And the angel said, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then quickly go and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And so we see these are the first three people whose lives are transformed from sadness and fear to joy. Their lives have been changed, but they weren't the only ones. The Bible tells us that after they went back and they told the disciples what had happened, the disciples didn't believe them. And two of them left that group of people in Jerusalem, and they began to walk to another city called Emmaus. And here we read that two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they stood still, and their faces were downcast. They had heard the news from the women, but they didn't yet believe. They had heard the news from the women, And it didn't make sense to them. And so they left. And these two are walking along the road. And they're talking about what had happened. They're remembering what happened on Friday. And their hearts are downcast. But Jesus comes up to them. Jesus, the risen Lord, comes to walk with them. They don't know it's Jesus. They don't understand. They weren't expecting him to be there. And Jesus is talking to them. And Jesus asked them, why are you so sad? And they say, are you the only one who doesn't understand what's happened? There was a man that we thought was going to be our Savior. We thought he was going to be our Messiah. But people crucified him. They punished him. They killed him. And then they put him into a tomb. And there he lay. But now this morning... Our women came to us and they told us that he's not there, but he's alive. And Jesus talked to them. Again, they don't know it's Jesus. But Jesus talks to them from the Old Testament and teaches them that this is what had had to happen, that the Savior had to suffer for their sins, but that he would rise again after three days. Jesus continued to talk to them and he walked with them. And they began to feel something different going on inside. They finally reached the village of Emmaus. And these two men were going to go inside into the house that they were headed towards. And Jesus was going to continue to walk along the road and leave them. But when they saw Jesus beginning to leave, they asked Jesus to stay with them. And so Jesus went with them into the house. And they prepared a meal. And they were having a meal together. And then Jesus began to take the bread, as he had often done with his disciples. And he broke the bread, and he gave it to them. And it was at that moment that God's Spirit worked in their hearts. And the Bible says, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within? And as Jesus spoke to them, their downcast hearts began to be warmed. Their downcast spirits began to be uplifted. And then when Jesus took the bread and he broke it, it was so familiar to them. And God opened up their eyes. And now their burning hearts were ablaze. And they had themselves also been changed. And so now we have not only these three women, but we also have these two men whose lives were transformed because they met Jesus. God wants our lives to be transformed. He wants our lives to be different. He wants our lives to reveal the goodness of His grace and of His power. And so we're going to look more carefully now at three other men whose lives were changed because Jesus met them after he had died. Because Jesus showed himself to them before he was sent back to heaven. And what we're going to see is the life of Peter who had denied his Lord. But now Jesus was going to transform him into a man of complete undying devotion. And then we're going to look at Thomas who we know is famous for doubting. But we're going to see how when Jesus appears to Thomas, his doubts are wiped away, and he turns into a man of great faith, a man of worship. And then we're going to look at John, who had been at the cross when Jesus was crucified, whose last picture of Jesus was one of death and of suffering. But now when he meets the risen Lord, he is transformed into a man who is going to preach about life and who wants others to know about this life. God wants our lives transformed like theirs. God wants your life to be changed and my life to be changed even today to be better. Years ago, um, these toys came out and now they're famous for movies. So you know what they are, right? What are they? They're transformers. I remember when my kids were little, transformers came out and they were really fun. I really like playing with them. And, um, and so they would come and they come in different forms. So, like, these were like cars. So, they might be cars. They might be a truck. And then they transform into some kind of robot or some kind of monster or some kind of superhero. And so, they might be any different things. They could be a boat and it's transformed, it could be a dinosaur and it's transformed. And this was something that I enjoyed playing with my kids and it helped to imagine things, of changing, of being something different than you really are. Let me ask you this. If you could be transformed, if you could be transformed, where would you want to be changed? What would you want to be? Where in your heart do you see a place, maybe like Peter, as we look at his life, where he had felt an absolute failure in life. And maybe out of awe of the disciples, Jesus' sadness, I'm sorry, Peter's sadness and Peter's darkness was the deepest of all. Because not only had he seen his Lord crucified and dying, he had denied Jesus openly. He had denied his Lord. Three times he told people, I don't know Jesus. I don't know this man. And the third time he even said it with a curse. I do not know this man. But then his heart was broken. And he was in deep distress. And probably depressed. But Jesus loved Peter as he loves us. And Jesus met with Peter. And after Peter met with Jesus, his life that had been one of a denial was now turned into one of the greatest devotion. In our lives, denial or failure may look in many different forms. Maybe we've once made a commitment to the Lord, but now we're not really walking very close to Him. Maybe once we made a promise to God, but we never fully kept it. Maybe we've fallen over and over and again to temptation and fallen into sin. Maybe we've put other things or other people ahead of God. We know that we haven't been what we ought to be. We even feel that sense of failure within ourselves. We may wonder, I wonder what God thinks of me. Maybe even now I could ask you, what do you think God thinks of you right now if you were to suddenly have to be in the presence of the Lord? What does God think about you? What does God feel about you? Do you believe that God loves you? Or do you maybe, like Peter, would wonder, how can God love me after I did that? Well, oh, the good news and the great news of the resurrection is that even if we failed, God can restore us. God can forgive us. There's this beautiful story in the Gospel of John. And if you'd open up your Bibles to that Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth book of the New Testament, we'll look at the John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And we're going to begin at verse 15. John 21, verse 15. And there it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. There was a time when Peter said that, Lord, even if all these other people, all the other disciples desert you, I never will. He had proclaimed as if he had loved Jesus even more than them. But now Jesus was asking him, Really, Peter? Really? Do you really love me more than all these? Do you love me more than all these other disciples, all these other people? And do you love me above your fishing? Do you love me above even your own life? And Jesus says, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. And then in verse 16, Jesus says to him a second time, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. A second time, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? A second time, Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus gives him a job. He gives him a commission. And he looks into his life and he sees the appropriate abilities of Peter. And he says to him, I want you to be a shepherd to my sheep. And then in verse 17, Jesus said to him a third time, Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So three times, Jesus asked him, Do you love me? Three times, Peter had denied his Lord. Three times, Peter is now able to proclaim the faith and the love that he has. He is able to say that, I love you, Jesus, just the way I am because Jesus is saying to him, I love you, Peter, just the way you are. God loves us just the way we are. The question is, can we love Jesus Just the way we are. Just the way we are. That we don't have to be somebody more holy. More perfect. But we can come just the way we are. We don't need to try harder. But we just come and have a relationship with him. That Jesus would turn our failures into successes. Jesus would turn our denials into devotion. We too, like Peter can meet Jesus by confessing our sins and coming to him in this relationship where Jesus says, Will you love me even as I love you? God loves us, and we can love him too. The second person that we want to look at is Thomas. And Thomas, as we know, is one that is famous for doubting, and so much so that he's called Doubting Thomas. But we might actually look at him, and we might actually call him a different name. I think maybe we should just call him Honest Thomas. Because Thomas is willing to express what's in his heart and in his mind. And he had doubts. In John chapter 20, if you turn there with me. John chapter 20, verse 25. And I want to read through verse 29. But he said to them, And this is Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. What had happened was Jesus had appeared to all of the disciples. He had shown himself to be alive. But Thomas happened to not be there at that time. Jesus had appeared to all the disciples on that first resurrection Sunday and they told him, Thomas, Thomas, Jesus is alive. And even though all of Thomas's best friends were there, he had a hard time believing it. In fact, he was honest and he said, I won't believe it. I can't believe it unless I see the nail marks in his hands. But then a week later, verse 26, it says, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Doubt is a very real part of faith. Everybody who's had faith at some time has also had doubt. Doubt isn't something that keeps us away from God, but actually can be an invitation from God to come to him. Even as Thomas was invited by Jesus to come closer and to look at his wounds. There's a famous picture painted by Michelangelo Caravaggio back in 1601. And it's a picture of Thomas and some of the other disciples. And Jesus is saying, go ahead, Thomas. Look into my side. And look at the nail marks on my hands. Go ahead and touch them if you need to. Because I want you to stop doubting and believe. We too can come to Jesus with our doubts. We too today can come to Jesus and acknowledge, Lord, I'm having a hard time believing. But Jesus would say, but come. Give me a chance. Come to me. Here's another picture inspired by that original one painted recently, I think in 1990, by John Granville Gregory. A more modern rendition of the same painting by Caravaggio, that shows us that even today we too can come to Jesus, even if we have our doubts. We, too, are invited by Jesus to come and to be near to him and to seek him and to know if he's real. Again. Doubt is a normal part of faith. One of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, says this. If there was no room for doubt, there's no room for me. He understood that there's a place of doubt in many people, and I think every person's heart, that wonders, is what God's saying true? Is what Jesus did real? But there is a realness in Jesus, and he will show himself to us and Thomas was able to express the words that we too can express to him. We can tell Jesus that we have our doubts. It's okay. Thomas teaches us that we can confess our doubts. And it was when Jesus revealed himself to Thomas that Thomas said the most clear statement that we have, that Jesus Christ is God. When Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and And my God, it is sometimes through doubting that we come to greater faith and that we express to the Lord the things that we feel and the things that are hard so that he can reveal himself to us, that we can know that he is Lord and we can know that he is God. In fact, there was a man who wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for him. And he said, Lord, if you can do this, do it for me. And Jesus says, if, if I can, And the man says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And Easter is a time where we can come to God with our doubts and say to Him, but God, but Jesus, please show Yourself to me. I do have a mustard seed of belief, but reveal more of Yourself to me that I might believe and that I might live and that I might know You as you truly are, that I might experience your resurrection life, that I might know the transformation that comes to a heart because of who you really are. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Thomas helps us to understand that even our doubts can be wiped away and turned into a life of faith and worship. The third person that we see Is the disciple that the Bible says, this is the disciple that Jesus loved, and his name is John. And John, as we said before, he had seen Jesus last time at the cross, but now meeting Jesus transforms that death into life. In John chapter 19, 33-35, we see John at the cross. And there it says, when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe that Jesus on the cross was dead, and John knew it and he says I want you to know and I want you to know that I'm telling you the truth I want you to believe that Jesus had died the author of Hebrews says to us since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. God wants us to know that we don't need to fear death. John wanted us to know that Jesus had died but that there was something better that was still to come. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus became this person. Jesus took on flesh and blood so that he could destroy death. He could destroy the devil. He could conquer sin. And he could free us from the fear of death that we can look forward to being with him forever. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John then says, But these things are written... That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. That God offers to us life in Jesus. That God offers to us a life from the dead. That God offers to us a life from the places in our, where we may feel a sense of darkness or even deadness within. God wants us to believe and Easter is the best time to believe that God has the power to overcome all the trials, all the difficulties that we face. But more than that, that God has the power to make our lives bright, that God has the power to turn darkness into sunshine. What does believing look like? C.H. Spurgeon, who is considered to be one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, said this, Let us think for a moment of Jesus as a son to us, as the sun is the center, so is Christ as the sun is the fountain from which light life and heat perpetually flow, so is the Savior. let him have this place in your hearts there enthrone him, establish him as the central son and let him rule your entire being, enlightening your understanding, warming your hearts filling your powers, passions, and faculties with the fullness of His presence. Emmanuel is God's presence with us. The reason Jesus came on that star-filled night at Christmas was so that He might die and that He might rise as the Son of Righteousness, that He might offer to us the fullness of His presence to us now. But what do we do with that? It is our choice. That we can, as Spurgeon says, make Jesus the center of our lives. We can make Jesus the center of our lives to believe and to have all the things that God wants us to have. So that, like Peter, we can know that Jesus loves us and forgives us as we come to him. And that, like Thomas, we can know that Jesus accepts even our doubts. And we can still come to him. And like John, we can know that Jesus has conquered sin and death. And that the resurrection is true. And we can come to Jesus. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, is the greatest day of history. The most important day of our faith. That Jesus came back to life. And it is an invitation to all of us to believe That whatever we're facing, whatever we may face, whatever we're going through, that God is with us and that He is alive. And that He invites us into this relationship of love and of faith and of hope that we too might have a brightness to ourselves. And that this is what God would have us to have for all the rest of our lives. And so I pray and will pray now that together we would indeed do this and make Jesus the center of our lives And enthrone him there and follow him as Lord and walk with the living God because Jesus is there for you wherever you are, just as you are. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for your love. And Lord, we pray that even as we celebrate Easter today, and we're reminded of the resurrection, that we would know its application to us, that Jesus wants to live within us and live his life through us, that we can be the people of God you made us to be, that we can be the bright lights to the world of your light and of your hope and of your salvation, and that your light can shine into our hearts to give us the hope and the peace and the joy that we so long for. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that because of your amazing grace, we pray that because of your amazing love, that you would help us, Lord, to walk in that love by the power of your Holy Spirit. And this we ask in your own name. Amen.